Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in on another edition of BrewCast, where we continue to talk a little baseball here today. Welcome in. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani, and we are having some fun in the summer as the Michigan baseball team continues to roll. We've got some football news with a former Michigan quarterback transferring to a Big Ten foe. We've got a little bit to talk about, uh, but first things first, guys, how are you guys doing? Um... <laughs> the range of emotions are indescribable right now. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. Uh, I'm a little burned out. I won't lie. Uh, baseball, Michigan baseball has been fun. Uh, the game on uh, Monday night will be – or the game that was on Monday night was was fun. Um, a little bit boring, but that's how that's how playoff baseball is, especially when you're working with a dominant pitching staff. Um, other than that – Ready for vacation. Life stuff has kind of like pulled me a million different directions right now. And my blood pressure is a little bit too high. Like the night before, like when you guys hear this in the morning, I will be at a doctor's appointment. So hopefully I calm down between now and then. But yeah, uh, we're here. We're doing a show. Just, you know, hopefully this is a little therapeutic is all. Yeah, no, I, I get you, man. I'm, I'm kind of in a similar spot. I, I'm. I'm dragging my feet this week. Uh, obviously, if you, if you follow me at all on Twitter, you know the, my big uh, Cleveland trip is coming up this weekend. So, uh, And that last week before, I, I wouldn't even call it a vacation, but before a trip uh, is always the toughest one. Um, not a whole lot going on in the world of Michigan sports, but 
what is going on is important and is really, really cool. And we're going to talk uh, some Michigan baseball here and what is turning into uh, – it's seemingly – I feel like we've said this, but every day is turning into a more and more remarkable run by this Michigan baseball team. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling stupid for not looking into – like coming into the college world series, I think Michigan was like 50 to one to win it all. Like that, that, though, that was extreme value odds. As far as I'm, I mean, Luke, you're well, more of the betting guy here, but um, yeah, I, I didn't even look at odds, man. Cause I think this is, I, I heard the stat yesterday. This is the first time since I believe Ohio state 1967, that a big 10 team has won two games in the college world series. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, it's the third time Michigan's done it as a program. And I think the other two times were like 1953 and 1962, I think the broadcast said. So, like, what's being done right now is not only special, but it's just not normal for for teams from up north. And, you know, I think I kind of said this last week on the show. Like, I feel guilty that, you know, we aren't we weren't kind of in on this team earlier. I mean, a lot of people weren't just because the exposure isn't there. It's hard, like most of the time to watch or listen to those games, you have to stream them online. You have to sit at a computer or on your phone and stream it. Like people just don't do that for something that doesn't have a lot of national exposure. And that's not, you know, people can call it bandwagon fanning or whatever you want to call it. But um, Michigan is not a traditional national baseball power. So it doesn't have the, the fan base that obviously football or basketball have that, you know, even to a certain extent, maybe men's ice hockey has like, it's just not, easily consumable but i feel like you can't help but feel like a little bit of fomo for you've missed elite pitching and an exciting brand of baseball for the better part of you know last i guess what do they start in late january early february like last five or six months like that bums me out a little bit but all that really matters what's you know what happens moving forward and you know to see it's just we said this last week too. Like it's such a contrast to like what our pro baseball team, like in the state of Michigan does like they're fundamentally sound. They have timely hitting. The pitching is fantastic. Like they don't even, they hardly need the bullpen. It's, it's really just refreshing because you know, for a lot of people that watch baseball and follow baseball, um, I know Michigan's a national fan base. So everyone's got teams everywhere, but it's just, it's, Anytime the game is played right in any sport, it's just it's quite quite pleasing. I guess is how I'd put it. Yeah, no, well, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think it, college sports in general, uh, there there always has been. I think what attracts people to them is there's something very pure about when a college sport is played the right way. Uh, I think that there's more passion to it. Uh, you know that there's more tradition there. Um, and obviously I still prefer pro baseball to college baseball. What, what this Michigan team is doing, I mean, it, it, I, it can't be overlooked by anybody. I mean, I don't think I'm overlooking it, but this is, this is remarkable. And this is a team that has continued to prove not just yours truly, but a lot of people wrong. Like I, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. Like they shocked UCLA in that three game series in the super regional, uh, remarkable series. Uh, great pitching by Michigan, uh, you know, some timely hits, you know, a major upset for sure. But with what was essentially a week off, and we've seen this happen in, in professional baseball in two different World Series uh, where a team gets a long break and then they come back. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, my expectations were 
uh, Michigan would make it to the College World Series and they would kind of play with, uh, well, we're just happy to be here type of mentality. Uh, and especially they were lining up against Texas Tech, who's an experienced team who'd been there uh, at least last year. I'm sure they've been there you know, before in the last couple seasons. Uh, and to beat them and then last night against another Cinderella run and, and, or against another Cinderella team in Florida State, like this, is, this story is, is gaining more and more traction every day. Like Michigan baseball right now, is in a legitimate is in a situation where they have a legitimate shot to play for and possibly even win the whole thing. Which even if if you would have told me a week ago, even after beating UCLA, that this was going to be a, a, a realistic thing, or, or I would I would have thought you were crazy. But they have just played with so much confidence, and I would say especially. I would say the last three games. The The second game against UCLA was pretty sloppy. I think they were nervous. But the last three games, the last game against UCLA and then uh, the two College World Series games against Texas Tech and Florida State, they have played almost flawless baseball. The pitching has been tremendous. Uh, Carl Kaufman uh, w- was really good against Texas Tech. Left a few pitches over the plate, but that was a good Texas Tech offense. I didn't think the stuff was bad. And then last night... Uh, as I said uh, on Twitter, Tommy Henry just went legend. I, I mean, that was – you watch the game at any level, high school, uh, travel team, uh, summer league, college, minor leagues, uh, major leagues. That is about as good and as confident a performance as you're ever going to see by a major league pitcher. This is a really fun team to watch, and I'm glad to see that they're getting more and more attention. And it – Look, what we we talked about this last week, but that's kind of the we do feel a little bit guilty, and I think a lot of people do about not giving this team more exposure. But we would if the exposure was there, if the opportunities were there. But the fact of the matter is, these this team doesn't have televised baseball games until they start playing in the postseason. So it, it's been a really fun ride, uh, and I think there's. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but there's a legitimate shot that we could be right back here next week talking about this team playing for a national championship, which is just insane. Well, they're they're just one win away, and they've already yeah. beat uh, – well, yeah, because they, they've already beat the two teams that they've, they're going to play in mm-hmm. this winner's bracket final. They beat Texas Tech and they beat Florida State. Both of those teams have to beat Michigan twice. Like, there's a real good chance, especially with the rest to the starting pitching because – as we know, the bullpen is kind of the bugaboo uh, for Michigan. But with the starters getting the rest, like they got a legit shot of playing on Monday uh, next week. But this has been a heck of a run for Michigan athletics the last two years in what most would consider the four major sports, football, basketball, hockey, and baseball. Um, football uh, this past year, you know, obviously didn't end the way they wanted to, but made a New Year's Six Bowl. We're within a game of going to the Big Ten Championship. Michigan a year ago, 2018, playing for a national championship. Michigan hockey a year ago in the Frozen Four. And now Michigan baseball went away from the College World Series. Like, this has been a remarkable run for Michigan athletics. Yeah, uh, the too long didn't read of that is, yeah, they're not maybe closing the deal, but they're making a shit ton of money, the athletic department is. Like, (laughs) things, everyone, you know, anyone who is down on the Michigan athletic program right now, like, 
yeah, maybe the results aren't what fans want, but the stock quite literally maybe has never been higher, especially now that they're with Nike, you know, again. And speaking of Nike, like, let me just say this. Michigan's blue, uh, the blue road uniform for baseball, that is so clean and so pretty. Like, I kind of want one. And then I'll wear the, the pants yeah. and, you know, I'll pull the, the pants up where, you know, with the tube socks, all that. Like, makes me want to play the game. It's it's awesome. Um yeah, you know, it really it's like you said when you look at the athletic program as a whole like yeah, uh it's been disappointing that really they haven't hung any, you know, ch- Big 10 championship banners for football or you know, weren't able to to get the get it done in the Frozen 4 and uh f- you know, national title game was a blowout but like across the board like are there what programs in the country are having this level of success in like multiple, like several sports, not, not just, you know, cause you have your schools that are, are football powers and basketball powers. Um, Michigan is that to a certain extent, but to have th- these teams that are competing at, at a high level, at a championship level, and you know, whether you like it or not, they are competing for one in football. They have, um, you know, basketball has been what, what it's been under John Beeline. Baseball, obviously, doing what they're doing now. Michigan hockey, Michigan softball with Hutch. You know, think about you know, and and I'm I'm missing out on a bunch of other sports, but like Michigan, and it sounds like a recruiting pitch for Michigan. Um, but I mean, across the board, like if you're a college athlete right now and you're looking to come to go somewhere and win, like or at least have a chance to win, things are looking pretty good there right now. If, if you're someone who's considering U of M. So it's when you really step back and look at it, I know there have been some frustrating things that have, have occurred uh, along the way, but man, oh man, it's there's, there's a reason we've had so much to talk about in the first, you know, whatever 16, 17 months we've done this show. Like it's, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. Look, Michigan, The University of Michigan, especially Michigan Athletics, and this is for some reason probably going to piss some people off, especially fans of rival schools, but it's the truth. I mean, there's similarities between Michigan Athletics and, like, the Yankees, and that'll probably make some people angry, but the point I'm trying to make is that, like, even when the Yankees are bad, which is, like, once every 20 years, the New York Yankees will always be relevant because they are a brand and they have a history. Uh, Michigan athletics is like that. Whether you like it or not, and whether you talk about all oh, the Michigan fans, they dwell on the past too much. You know, fair point. But at the end of the day, it's still a brand. Like this was a, a football program that w- went through three and nines and five and sevens and and two or three different coaching changes and and uh, just in a decade, and was able to stay relevant simply because they are in and of themselves a brand. And I think it, that extends to other sports. Uh, you can hate Michigan all you want, but at the end of the day, people t- people tune in to watch them. Uh, people pay attention to them. And as much as we would all love to see them, you know, get over the hump in any of these programs and win and win a national championship and God willing, it'll happen sometime soon. Uh, they've not only, they went through a, a stretch there of about, you know, somewhere between five and 10 years where they were staying relevant, but not competitive. Now they're at a point where they're both, they are extremely relevant and extremely competitive. The next step. And we've talked about this many times on this podcast is, uh, getting over the hump and winning, uh, winning, whether it be a big 10 championship in football or a national championship in one of these other sports, uh, 
that's going to be telling, and only time will tell. Well, let me ask you this. If they do go on to win the College World Series, I mean, realistically, they're three wins away from winning a national championship, so it's not far-fetched to start thinking this way. Like, what does it mean? What kind of boost does it give to other sports, if at any? Does a national championship help this program, this Michigan baseball program, rise into something that we have to pay attention to each and every year? Like, what does what would a national championship for the baseball team mean? Well, I think first and foremost, I think this – while this has been a pretty special run, and I guess to some extent considering what they've gone up against and what the field looks like, it is a Cinderella run. But when you look at how – um, Eric Bakich is building this program. I think that they have staying power and they're not like, yes, they have guys from around the country, but like, like Brian said in the interview we did last week, Brian Sikowski, like their pitching staff is our guys from the state of Michigan. They're recruiting and developing the state of Michigan really well. Um, and I thought it was really cool during that interview during the game where, um, you know, coach was like, you know, we're, we're trying to build a team that reflects what, America looks like the United States looks like. So they're going to recruit some of the maybe overlooked kids from the inner cities. Um, you know, they're going to kind of go over everything and, and have a wide ranging search to, you know, get the best players they can get because, you know, a lot of times these highly recruited kids are the ones who play like in like four travel leagues and, you know, or, or in a bunch of showcases and things like that. You know, some of these kids, like some of the inner city kids, like there, there are some good, and I think that for as much grief as we give Major League Baseball, I think something they've done really well is, um, you know, being in the community and kind of bringing baseball to the inner cities. Yeah. Um, and I think we're starting to see the fruits of that uh, because, I mean, I seem to remember like Curtis Granderson was a guy who pops into my head. Don Trevelis, that maybe that 2007, 2008 generation of uh, Major League players, namely like minority guys that really made an effort to, I, I think the, the organization is what RBI, I think it's yeah. RBI reviving baseball in the inner cities. And, and I think that mm-hmm. um, there's some really good overlooked talent there. And I think that um, I think that's, that's a huge thing, um, you know, for, and then you talk about the showcases and, you know, it, it, it it's sort of like football and that the elite guys are going to stay in the sec because those are, that's baseball country. And those are the power schools down there. But, you know, if you can get some of those more elite national prospects, you know, the kids that, you know, get drafted out of high school, but don't sign, if you can get them to to sign and come to Michigan, um, I think that's a, that's a huge win for them. So yeah, winning, I don't know about a ripple effect it has on other sports. I think if anything else, it shows that, you know, top to bottom, your athletic program has a championship culture, so to speak. Um, you know, it's uh, that term always cracks me up because if you guys, you know, I know you guys follow our alma mater a little bit, CMU, like they say that they have a championship culture there, but that's really just kind of one of those raw, raw things for boosters and whatnot. Like right. Michigan legitimately has that. And and this is not a I'm not trying to be Mr. PR spin for the university like I, there are other podcasts for that. But, you know, outside of football and basketball, like. I don't Michigan state isn't doing the things in these other programs that Michigan has done. Ohio state isn't really doing that. Um, you know, look at some of the other teams in the, like Michigan's a pretty, like for as much grief as they get, because yeah, if you don't, if you don't take care of business in the big two sports, like you're going to get shat on and disrespected a little bit, but top right. to bottom, like 
is there a better athletics program in the country? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, you, the point you brought up about uh, the showcases and some of these kids in the inner cities, I think I, I just watched a really uh, interesting uh, video from a, a, one of my favorite YouTube channels, which is Foolish Baseball, which talked about how is it that there were 23 players taken ahead of Mike Trout. And ultimately, kind of what it came down to is that uh, these big-time showcases, people pay attention to – in Florida or in Georgia or in California where, uh, you know, college baseball especially is, is most prevalent. Uh, and Mike Trout was a guy who was from New Jersey. Well, I think it's kind of like that in Michigan now. There's a lot of these ki- kids in the inner cities that are really talented athletes and really talented players that get overlooked, whether it be for the MLB draft or just college recruiting because the weather in Michigan is shitty and th- – this, and the Big Ten has been traditionally pretty shitty, but I think Michigan has found a way to kind of scoop up some recruits and develop what has been some really good players. I mean, this is I, – I, there's been some argument here, and usually I think this is an overused term, but the, the word Cinderella run, I mean, it, I think often people are unable to find that middle ground where where you can be a Cinderella run and still have – be loaded with – you know, potentially pro talent. Like this was one of the last four teams in, but with that said, they had three guys drafted in the first three rounds right. of the draft, you know, and two of them being their two best starting pitchers and Henry and Kaufman. And then you had the big 10 player of the year and uh, Jordan Brewer taken in the third round by, you know, uh, an organization in the Astros that has just been a juggernaut as far as turning out, uh, uh, you know, MLB ready talent. So th- it's not like this is a team of scrubs, but they play really well together and it is a really surprising run and it makes the makes it that much more fun to watch. And like you guys both touched on and like you just said, Chris, is that this team really is fun to watch, man. Like there's a lot of good baseball teams that can be boring just because of the way they play, you know, uh, yeah. just, you know, like just home run hitters, things like that. Like home runs are fun and everything, but this Michigan team, they were severely out hit in that UCLA series. But with runners in scoring position, it's like must-watch theater every time Michigan has a runner in scoring position because they somehow, someway seem to find a way to bring those guys home. It's crazy. And the reverse of that, every time UCLA had guys in scoring position, it seems Michigan would find a way to kind of tiptoe yeah. their way around it and pitch out of it. Uh, it you Now, you would think, uh, and I don't want this to happen, but – you would think at some point, uh, a term that, that Anthony has used several times here, water's going to find its level, and Michigan is uh, going to run into a buzzsaw at some point. But until then, I mean, especially in college baseball where things are unpredictable, who knows? Uh, I think uh, you don't want to jump too far ahead. I mean, they still are; they are only one win away, but uh, or one win away from making it to the finals. But I think the the biggest challenge they're going to face. And not just them, but pretty much every remaining team in the College World Series. It seems like Vanderbilt yeah. is uh, is on a mission right now. That is uh, that. And if you're looking for uh, a reason to be hopeful about Michigan's staying power, Vanderbilt hasn't always been a, a baseball powerhouse. It's been in the last several years, really, probably the last ten, where they've established a real winning culture. Maybe you know, while the, that's in the SEC. Hopefully something like that can be established in Michigan, and that would be uh, that'd be really intriguing. And I think it, while it might not spread to other sports, I think uh, the attention couldn't hurt. Well, by this time next week, the next time we do the pod, we're either going to be talking, uh, looking back on what a run it was for Michigan, or we're going to be looking forward 
to the College World Series final. It's kind of crazy to consider, but Michigan has put themselves in that position. It's either one or the other. There's, you know, there, there's no other way to go about it. So can, that's really cool, man. This has been a lot of fun to talk about. Can I, can I say something yeah. before we close out, like baseball? Um, I think yeah. some of the bravest people in sports are the fans that go to college baseball games because of like how fast the ball could come off of an aluminum bat. Like it, it could literally kill oh, yeah. you. So, well, to be fair, it's not aluminum anymore. It's a metal composite. They outlawed aluminum in like 2000. 13 2012 something like that you're right you're right i have nothing else to add you're right <laughs> that's that's fair still it, but it is dangerous yeah. you're right you're, you're right but man does that sound set is so good i love the sound off the metal bass Tink. yeah Tink. Tink. so good it's almost uh it's so it sounds a, it's a little more it's not as bassy it's a little more hollow now because they changed the bats um mm-hmm. to me right now it sounds like almost the you know the puck going off the goal post or the crossbar which is still yeah. Which is also a great sound. Uh, it's it can be a great or terrible sound if it, yeah. if it goes. It can be a great or terrible sound depending on which <laughs> side of the coin you're at. Um, it's a, a very fair point. Hey, uh, something. You know, speaking of hockey uh, and basketball, uh, kind of interest. I, I didn't realize. I never registered in my brain before, but NBA draft on Thursday, NHL draft on uh, I believe Friday and Saturday. So we're getting. Lots of draft action these last few weeks. Shout out sports for that, I guess. Yeah. Go sports. Can't wait to uh, look back and see where I, – I don't know if Iggy or Jordan Poole or any of those guys are, are going to get drafted, but we'll have something to talk about uh, next week. But we have something to talk about immediately now. The news broke tonight, actually right before we podcasted, a former Michigan Wolverine quarterback – going to be transferring to a big 10 foe when we come back on brewcast we'll talk about that this episode is sponsored by better help we all carry around different stressors in life whether they be big small or anywhere in between and when we keep those bottled up it can start to affect us in a negative way therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you you can switch at any time for no additional charge Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Back in on Baruchast and ready to switch gears to football because we, we got to sprinkle a little football in all summer long, man. We're counting down the days, counting down the weeks. Uh, I don't know how many Saturdays we got, but I know it's not a ton of them before that uh, first first week 
of the season. What do we got? Any you guys keep an account on that? I believe well, that we are, uh, as of this recording, I believe we are 88 days away from Sunday NFL football. So that would put us what? Okay, maybe it's so. There, there are. I don't count that game they play in Hawaii or Australia like two weeks before. No, like that's everyone's like. I see people online going, "College football is back." It's like. To me, that's the equivalent of people saying that baseball's back when they go like pitchers and catchers are going to spring I, training. I didn't even or I didn't those, know those, those stupid those yes. stupid games they play in oh, Japan. I didn't even know those games counted until like the, I saw them in the standings. I was like, wait, what? Those games counted? They, because they shouldn't when I, when I, Hawaii I, came to Ann Arbor, was it twenty sixteen? I think they were 0 and one yeah. already. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that was that ridiculous. That's, that's not fun at all. Like, it's not. But I, I just I just went and looked at it. So including this Saturday, there are ten more Saturdays without college football. That eleventh Saturday from this Saturday, we will have the start of the college football season. So make the most, make the plans. It's an aug- that you August start right year. now. August start. August thirty first. Yep, August August thirty first. So make your plans. You got ten weekends to do whatever you want to do, or at least this is what I'm telling myself. And then that eleventh. Saturday, man, it starts. But Michigan is going to be one lighter in the quarterback room. Uh, No surprise really here. The announcement came. The news broke. Brandon Peters transferring to Illinois. And this is interesting because he's going to be eligible to play right away. He's a grad transfer that has two years of eligibility left. That's a – So does that – and forgive my ignorance. Does that mean he graduated from Michigan? Yeah, he has an undergrad degree from Michigan. In – Okay, in what? In yep. three years? Three, three and a half, yeah. You got to figure, oh, I mean, you got to figure that they're him. all summer too. So that kind of makes up a year and a half. So yeah, yeah. good for him. That's that's awesome. I, I, I always, I like when guys transfer and can go somewhere and like, it's not just like a, like a farewell or a victory lap. Like they can actually, you kind of have a second yeah. chance, which is cool. It's going to be weird though, because I think Michigan plays Illinois this year. Mean, like it's not a team they usually play, but yeah, Michigan. I think they play them. Michigan goes to Illinois on October twelfth. So, uh, ooh, got to go into Champaign and take on the Brandon Peters you know, led Illini. And it will be like they don't have. Uh, he's the best. Quarterback. No, it's going to be Brandon Peters. I don't think it's, oh, no, it's yeah, not even a debate. I don't think. I mean, they probably rolled the red carpet out for him. They should. I mean, that's. Really, probably the best quarterback since Juice Williams. Yeah, I mean to go to Champagne. I mean, like he was the number two overall quarterback in his class, right behind Shea Patterson. Yeah, Lovey, Lovey needs a break because it has not gone well so far for them. Um, that stress has turned that beard straight white, like Snow White. It's awesome, though. I love it. I hope he keeps it forever. <laughs> um, it, it is. It is, and, and well. Uh, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but it is amazing to me because when we grew up, or well, maybe you guys are a bit older than me, but when I was a young lad, like Illinois was a force. I mean, they even well, that they might never have been elite. They had some, they had some very good years under Ron Zook, you know, Juice with the Juice Williams era. Even the years where they were mediocre, and they had Richard Mendenhall. Like they, they had some players, and then you look in the basketball end, you had. Uh, you know, Darren Williams and D Brown and Luther head. I mean, those were some legit teams. When was the last time Illinois was like, 
I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll, not even elite, but like okay in one well, of the two major sports. Like people shit, people shit on Rutgers all the time, and I get it. That's completely fair. I understand they probably shouldn't be in the Big Ten, but like Illinois ain't exactly carrying their weight. Like they, they have been kind of an embarrassment over the last almost decade. And the one thing I will say is they're they're getting better in basketball, which has always kind of been their their go to. Uh, I still wouldn't say they're great or even good, but it, they have. I think we all kind of thought like the hiring of Lovey Smith seemed like kind of a no-brainer. Like it, nobody thought he would take them to Big Ten championship heights. But what is it for him? Year three now? Year four? Uh, yeah, that sounds right. And it, yeah, and he's. I mean. I can't remember the dude. I can't remember the last time I watched Illinois play football. <laughs> I think I think 2016 when Michigan just absolutely ran over them. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it like they're they're the worst. Say what you will about Rutgers again, they're terrible, but they're relevant dude. in their terribleness. Illinois has fallen to the point where they're just they're just almost yeah, irrelevant. They, this is time. this is your four for Lovey. Uh, he has a a record of nine wow. and twenty seven. He's four and twenty three in the Big Ten. He went two and seven in conference his first year. Zero and nine his second year, and four and eight last year. So actually, last year like four and eight is the best he's done so far. So small, small step, step forward, forward, I guess. Um, Trying to go through who else? Uh, Bill Cubitt was their coach for one year. He went five and seven in 2015. Uh, Ron Zook, you said you said force. You remember them being a force for like I, I'm by okay, force. Won, I mean, like, I remember they, they won. They won the won, Big Ten, won, which usually was in there. He went to the Rose Bowl. Well, they, they didn't win the Big Ten, but they, they went, went to the Rose Bowl. Bowl. Um, nine and four, six and two yeah. in conference. But this was Ron Zook's career at Illinois. Two and nine. Two and ten, nine and four, right. five and seven, three and nine, seven and six, six and six. He was thirty-one and fifty or thirty-four, fifty-one, uh, eighteen. Wow. Okay. I thought they were. I, I I thought they were better than that. I guess by I force, think they were I just more meant, of a pain in the ass. I, I, is maybe. Yes, that that's what I was going to say. That when you saw Illinois on the schedule, you didn't you. Instead of writing in W with a with a pen, you would write it in pencil because then you could this erase it. This also coincided with uh, 2008 through 2011 was the – or 2008 through 2010 was Rich Rod and 2011 was Brady Hawk. Right. So um, it, it yeah. maybe, maybe our perception is a bit skewed, especially when you had to go to, what, six overtimes to That's beat fair. them, 67, 65. Yeah, yeah, I was at that game. That um, was a fun game. I Like I thought they had like a – uh, Northwestern in 96 type season with Juice Williams and Ron Zook. Apparently I was very wrong about that. I mean, that was the closest they got. I mean, and then in like, we're, if we're going way back in 01, I think they went like 10 yeah, 20, and 20, 2014, yeah. they were they, six they, and seven, 2013, one, two, three, four and eight, 2012, uh, ooh, two and 10. So yeah, things have not been good for them god. lately. Oh my God. Uh, but that's, I guess that's why Lovey still has his job, to be honest with you, because the bar is so low. Like, I well, mean, and when whatever, you're pulling right? a program out of the literal like dumpster, like I'm just not a believer in. I mean, they've been bad for for really since 2007. They've been horrible. Uh, you can't just pull the plug on a guy after three or four years when that, unless he's been terrible and awful, like 
you have to give now if this year they go like three and nine or four and eight again, like then you can maybe go, all right, well, maybe this whole little lovey's coming back to Chicago or coming back, coming back to Illinois thing isn't working out, but um, man, that's, it's a tough job uh, for sure. But uh, Brandon Peters is there now uh, day one. I could like, maybe this is ignorant of me. I can't even remember who else is even in that quarterback room. Um, but you look at their early schedule now. I'm going through it now. So they open at home against Akron. Then they go to UConn. Then they ha- have Eastern Michigan at home. And then they play. Like they could be 3-0 well, after, after, after those three, They though. have Nebraska at home. And then they go to Minnesota before they play Michigan on October 12th. So um, if they could find a way to get out to like a 4-1 and one start, uh, they, they might. I mean – they're not. It gets much harder from there. I mean, they play Michigan, Wisconsin. Those are both at home. At Purdue against Rutgers, um, at Michigan State, at Iowa, and then uh, they finish at home against Northwestern. So, like, yeah, man, that's a tough schedule, dude. For a bad, they kind of have to get out to like schedule. a four-one start, don't they? Because I mean, you'll beat Rutgers. Yeah. You should beat Rutgers. But then again, like they've kind of been on equal footing as. As programs, like you said, Chris, um, Purdue, good luck there. Uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, you won't beat them. Um, kind of your best shot is to like start four and one, or you know four and one, because like I said, you won't beat Michigan, won't beat, won't beat Wisconsin. There. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. You, you kind of so, have to well, go four and one get- and beat Rutgers, and then hope you beat Northwestern at home at the end of the year. All right, I'm going to ask this because this is kind of mind-blowing, and maybe it's because it was late, but Illinois was really, like, the only transfer market for Brandon Peters, like the former number two overall recruit. Like, even um, uh, Easton uh, out of Georgia. Is that his name? Was it Easton? The guy who was number one? Nick Easton. Yeah. Like, where's he he at? UCLA? He's somewhere out west, isn't he? Washington. Yeah, he's out in Washington. Like, like. Brandon Peters could only get Illinois. Like we're, we're listen to how we're talking about Illinois. Like we are just laughing at this program, and it makes me feel bad for Brandon Peters because ultimately, like Brandon Peters wasn't terrible. He was playing behind an awful offensive line in 2018. Obviously, uh, the horrific injury uh, that he suffered. But I mean, at the end of the day, man, like he wasn't terrible. Like just Shea Patterson, Dylan McCaffrey, they're just better talents. But they're better talents than a lot of quarterbacks in the country at the same time. Like it's hard for me to believe Illinois, unless he wanted to go to Illinois for some reason, like that is, that just seems so weird to me. Like Jalen hurts, you know, going to a big time program in Oklahoma, uh, Justin Fields going to, I get that. He's not like, I I understand he's not on the level that Jalen hurts is and whatnot, but Illinois is like bottom feeder even in, in the country, not just the Big Ten, like they're a terrible program in college football nationally in amongst any conference, amongst mid-majors, for goodness sake. Like Illinois was the best well, you I could guess do. I'm trying to find like who else was interested, but I can't. Uh, but last I checked, I thought it was kind of like Mac schools poking around for him too. So maybe it just might be a, something as simple as don't want to play in the Big Ten still and, hey, potentially even stick it to Michigan. Or um, not that they will, because they won't be Michigan. But, um, but I mean, not even like a Kentucky or an Arkansas or you know, like Mississippi State, like nothing like that. Yeah, well, I mean, 
Kentucky's on the up and up, but the other two, I, I definitely get. I, I, I think uh, Brent. This is a very curious case to me because I, I don't. I think there's a good quarterback somewhere in Brandon Peters. I think that um, year three under Harbaugh was just a complete disaster, and especially from a quarterback perspective. And I think he was. Um, I think if you, well, he might not admit it, but I think deep down in Harbaugh's self conscious. Uh, I think he would admit that Brandon Peters probably was not ready to start at the Division One level, but they were forced to play their hand. I, I mean, John O'Corn was just that terrible that uh, they had to put him in a position where he probably wasn't ready. And I think it hurt, I won't say destroyed it, but severely hurt his confidence and overall severely hurt his stock. I mean, the last... You know, we could say, well, I think there's a good quarterback in Peter somewhere, and I think there is. But if you're a national, you know, recruiter, somebody who's you know paying attention to college football, the the lasting image that we have of Brandon Peters as a quarterback was him was his team blowing a two touchdown plus lead uh, in the Outback Bowl, and he did not play well in that game, especially down the stretch. And last year he was what? I mean, third, fourth string quarterback. I mean, he got beat out uh, by a substantial margin. And I think that led to not a lot of teams calling for him. And as highly recruited as he was, uh, I think we're at a point now where recruiting, recruiting means a lot when you're an incoming freshman. But after year one or two, if you're not performing – your stock is going to drop can significantly, I, uh, and I think that's what the, happened. Here. The points you guys have been making aren't logical, but can I maybe insert some a little bit? Maybe, perhaps the most logical reason he's going to Illinois in here. Uh, he's is he from, from Avon, Illinois? Indiana, from which is 114 miles from Champaign. Oh. Uh, cool. One hour, one hour and 50 minutes uh, down okay. I-74. Whereas Ann Arbor is I'm doing this in real time, 283 miles, four and a half hours away. So. I mean, even Indiana, though, like, I don't know where Bloomington is compared to where he's from. Like, even Indiana would be upgraded, and they're a much better football program, which is crazy well, to say. Indiana than Illinois. does everything ass you know? backwards, and then their fans complain that they are that they don't get more respect. Like, <laughs> you kind of are what you are. Uh, Bloomington is only one hour, seven minutes away from Avon, so um, that would have made sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a mixture of – well, I think the, it's a mixture the of just news. the interest not really being there in term, and then you know proximity to home. Yeah, um, can go home on the weekends. It's not that bad of a drive. It's less than what like you know Detroit area to CMU was for me. So I can I can vibe with that. The good news is is the quarterback room is in good enough shape to where a former number two quarterback recruit in the country leaving literally. It's like. Meh. Yeah, All right. we've talked about that before too. Yeah, where no it's doubt. just like I, I tend to believe that I think that Brandon Peters is a good quarterback in the right situation where like the planets align for him. Um, really think if Michigan was going to run this offense like two years ago, I think that he may have been a decent fit for that. Um, though he's more of a pocket guy than, and really it, that's that's where that is too. Like there just really wasn't him, a path for him to rise up the depth chart here because the guys that they have in obviously Shea, um, Milton, McCaffrey, those guys are all tailor made with you know kind of not not true dual threat guys, but um, 
you know, guys with good arms that can move as well. And uh, I think he's a little bit more of a statue than that. So I, I didn't really see where there was a path for him to rise up the depth chart. Yeah. Um, and I just, but I think overall he's more just a victim of circumstance. Like if he didn't get hurt against Wisconsin, maybe they win that game. And the perception of him as a player is a little bit different, but I just think everything kind of snowballed out of control. He was, you know, when the quarterback doesn't play well, regardless of if he's the third starting quarterback of the year, um, he somewhat becomes a scapegoat for not being the solution, especially when, you know, even as, as early as year two and year three of the Harbaugh era, one of the bits was, oh, Jim Harbaugh doesn't uh, – Jim Harbaugh is supposed to be a, a quarterback guru, but he's not developing quarterbacks. Like, what gives, guys? It's like um, – I just – I don't think he was ready uh, when he got his opportunity and maybe that a little bit a little bit of that is his fault. Uh, he was someone who, in his early days with the program, even in that year where they needed someone to step up at quarterback, just a shy, quiet, reserved guy. Um, from what I had heard on that Rome when they went to Rome as a team, uh, he kind of just kept to himself and um, wasn't as. And I'm not. This isn't as you know character assassination on the way out the door. It's just that's the type of guy he is. He's not the rah rah guy. He's not a. You know, he has talent, but I think another important part of being a good quarterback and a a leader of a a power five program is you have to have that it factor too. You have to have a little bit of that fire in your belly. And that's why I think, you know, even when Shea Patterson does make some of the mistakes he does, you know, that's someone who's able to put that behind him and, you know, still rally the troops. And I don't really think he ever had that rally the troops type of mentality uh, when he was at Michigan. Now, maybe being a little bit older, being a little bit wiser, going to his fourth year playing college football, having played in a program where, you know, the expectations are high. I hope that Illinois is able to get the best possible quarterback they can out of him because I think that – I think he's a really good football player. I do, but um, there are a lot of – when you recruit the way that Michigan has, there are a lot of really good football players on the roster, especially at quarterbacks. So – we kind of knew when Jim Harbaugh was hired that at some point when he got that room built back up, because if you go back and look at that quarterback room from the first year he was there, I mean, I, I think obviously Jake Rudock transfers in, but he wasn't there until the summer. I think that first spring game was like Alex Malzone versus Shane Morris. Like <laughs> things were things. I mean, it was Alex Malzone, Shane Morris, uh, Wilton Spate. Like it just wasn't, Think the bar, but Anthony, why can't Harbaugh find a quarterback? Oh, like, listen, and I, I'm actually have I've been sitting on a piece <laughs> for like a couple of weeks. That I really have been trying to like articulate. Well, I'm going to put it out hopefully sometime this week. Um, I'm going to debunk five false narratives about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan football, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be number one on the list. So, um, hopefully, I'll be able to expand on that. Yeah, a little tease. Stay little tease tuned. But, uh, I like that. Yeah, tease. I like you that. Know? That's good stuff. <laughs> the, ideas are, the ideas are flowing this time. You're here, professional. Let me tell you. Um, but yeah, when you when you look at <laughs> they've they've found a quarterback, and, and who cares if it's like they've probably found their next two or three quarterbacks. To be quite I, honest I just, with you, and they seem to be pretty good. I'm gonna go off script here for a second, like. Okay. I don't understand this bit that if you bring in a transfer quarterback that it doesn't count because you brought in a transfer. Like most of the guys, most guys that transfer transfer because either a, they got beat out or B they just suck and aren't very good. And there's not a future for them. 
Jake Rudock was laughed right. out of Jake Rudock was a backup with the quarterbacks that they've had over the years. Like he was laughed out right. of there. And mind you, it was the right move for both sides because CJ Beathard was good for them. But that's what happens when a guy emerges. Yeah. Quarter, most of these quarterbacks are, you know, I don't want to say they're cocky, but most of them believe that they can play and they want to play. And that's why college recruiting becoming a bit of like free agency now is fascinating to me because now if you're not getting playing time somewhere and all, all you have to say is like uh, one of my teammates like threatened my sister and like, oh, you could have immediate eligibility. Like you transferred for the safety of your family. Like it's not hard. But I guess my point in all this is that Baker Mayfield, nobody was – when Baker Mayfield won the Heisman and, and took Oklahoma to the college football playoff, no one – no one, no one's like, yeah, yeah no Lincoln Riley. Like, Lincoln, like, Lincoln Riley. Every quarterback he's had so far has been a transfer. It's been Baker. It's been Kyler. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a transfer. Like everyone that they've had has been a transfer, but you don't hear that bit because it's not Harbaugh. People will do anything they can to just shit on him. And while some of it is deserved – it is. Some of it is deserved, but you know, can't win big games. Yeah. You know, has made has gone conservative in big moments. That is deserved, but you know, don't hate like he's he's two for three on transfers on transfer quarterbacks so far. Um, Jake Rudock worked out extremely well. Was exactly what that first team needed. John O'Corn, hey, they tried. Uh, it's pretty clear he just wasn't that good. And Shea Patterson is a guy who I still think has. I still think there's a chance he has first round talent as an NFL passer. So, yeah, no, that's and like, that's that's really it. it. Oh, like, go ahead. Finish. Why is it different? Obviously, Lincoln Riley has had. I mean, that's the biggest difference. Lincoln Riley has had success and has won with those guys. But um, you know, the bit is that you know Jim Harbaugh has brought in court, his quarterbacks aren't good enough. He's brought in these other guys. Like, if you go through, and I think there's a piece I wrote last year on like everything leading up to where they've been at, at the quarterback position, like when your quarterbacks, and this is, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying about Lovey Smith and rebuilding a bad program. Like when the state of a program or a position group has been so bad for so long, like you don't just fix that in a year. Like you don't, unless you go out and get a five-star guy that's ready to play right away. And guess what? There may be only one of those every couple of years, like one or two of them a year tops like everyone thinks that oh well you know jim harbaugh's a quarterback guru like and michigan's a big program like where are they gonna go find their trevor lawrence or their uh you know their um i don't know insert early start jake from whatever those guys don't grow on trees and they go to programs that have proven that they can win at the highest level um so that's the biggest difference right now i don't like the people shit on him because he's brought in transfers like a lot of like Ohio State. Ohio State just brought in a transfer. They haven't won a national title in what, five years now? Oh, well, yeah. Well, that was what they won one. So it's like, it's like, well, yeah, four stop. years ago. Just, just let it play out. Like, if you're going to, I have no problem with people dogging Jim Harbaugh because at times for, for things, for things that he deserves. But the people that are like, oh, well, what's he, you know, Field goal kicker, Mr. Kick. What's he going to go sleep at another kicker's house or something? (laughs) It's not funny. It's annoying. And you're. It is to recycle the old jokes. Yeah. Look, part of it is that. And 
Harbaugh opens himself up to criticism, and look, I, he's fine, but he is a weird dude, and he does weird shit, and that's cool. Like, it, a lot of coaches are like that, and maybe not to that extent, but like, you got to be a little bit eccentric if you, you know, to, to get people's attention, and he's great at that. Like, but I think to a certain extent, he's also a victim of his own success. I mean, he he is considered the guy who mentored or was the QB whisperer for Andrew Luck, who was, you know, the probably the the greatest NFL. Uh, draft prospect of the last 25 years uh, and until Michigan has a guy who has a season like what Andrew Luck had his last two years at Stanford people are going to say oh where's Michigan's Andrew Luck where's yeah, Michigan's where you, Andrew Luck where do you find them but where's anybody's Andrew Luck they don't grow on like you said, they don't grow on trees. It's not like it's not like Andrew Lux just fall from the sky. If, if they if they did, you could say that about a lot of coaches. Where's D'Antonio's Andrew Luck? Where's James Franklin's Andrew Luck? It wasn't Trace McSorley. Like, like these are that is a one in a generation uh, quarterback. Hell, but Stanford has John Elway, Andrew Luck. That's it. That's the only two good quarterbacks they've ever had. What you're you're gonna put Kevin Hogan in that conversation? Get out of here. Uh, you know that he had one. He had one great quarterback. He's done a great job at developing several different quarterbacks. But I think uh, people hold him to that standard that unless he has another yeah, one, I, that it's like, a fluke. It, it, and it's not I'm gonna like that. I'm gonna go up to because you know depending on what day it is and depending on what Twitter what mood Twitter is in, I'm either the biggest Jim Harbaugh hater in the world or I'm his biggest defender. Like I guess it just depends. But um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, no, it's almost like we're fans. I, or he something, is yeah. he is a strange guy. He's an interesting guy, a very good guy though, by all counts. But at the same, like, I love that people act that him being weird is like weird for college football. Like, Les Miles eats grass. Um, Co- Coach O can't even put a sentence together. Mike Gundy like <laughs> berated, went on a rant about how he was a man and he's got a mullet. Like, football coaches are weird. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Yeah, Nick Nick Saban's one of the most crumudgeon-y people. I mean, Hugh Freeze, like he's the greatest. He's, he's involved in a scandal with like paying players and and calling escort services, and you know he pulls out Bible quotes. Um, James Franklin, every time he runs the ball in like fourth and eight, he says something about you know we're we're just trying to build uh, you know we're we're just trying to build character. Like those moments build character for our football players, and uh, I, I like how our guys respond to that. Like. Football coaches are weird as shit. Okay, like let's stop. Let's stop pretending like Jim Harbaugh. You got to be a little batshit crazy. There man. has to be you a gotta be. Like there yeah. does, and, and <laughs> I actually like the guys who are somewhat normal. Like, uh, well, even like okay, shot like Sean McVay for example. Like, not a weird guy. Actually, like pretty normal. Like, dude's living the dream as like a early to mid thirty year old like NFL coach living out in L.A. has a beautiful. Uh, beautiful girlfriend uh, i think uh probably he's in la but like he still has a screw loose where like he can remember what the play call was from a game six years ago like in the fourth game of the preseason like you just have to you just kind of have to like accept the fact that every football coach is wired a little bit differently as my dog makes her way over to the water bowl i don't know if you guys can hear it this week Sweet. There's, oh yeah, we get, we got cameo, her. Harley, good girl. But there um, it is. Well, is that our, um, is that is I that do our have cue? One, like since we were talking, since I brought up James Franklin, um, and I'm gonna be careful how. Um, oh, God. Are we are we, we talking about this? Quick. And I have 
I mean, I've, CBS Sports pays my pays my my check for for my full time job, so I'm not gonna like Fair. dog Fair. it and don't I, disparage I, them. Too I won't hard. disparage um, them then. Tom Fornelli, good dude, funny dude, uh, good writer. Uh, he has James Franklin as the best coach in the Big Ten, uh, followed by uh, Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State, and Jim Harbaugh third. Which Mark D'Antonio ahead of Jim Harbaugh, I think you could still maybe make a case for. But James Franklin at the top of the Big Ten is that's like, oh, yeah. all right. I would, without I want having, to say this about Mark D'Antonio. Well, so three years ago, three games. Uh, I would still put Ryan Day over him. Um, I would put Fat Pat Fat Fitzgerald, Pat Fitzgerald over him. Uh, I would put put Kirk Ferentz over him. Uh, that's probably where it stops for me. But um, I, I, I'm I'm very happy that uh, that Penn State is able to claim that win over uh, over everyone else in the off season. I, it does it fills my heart with joy to, to see that be a talking point. What? Mark D'Antonio is like 500 the last three years. Like, I get it. He won a Big Ten title four years ago, and they went to the college football playoff. But that's like putting Kevin Ollie in your top five coaches, you know, yeah. because the guy won a national championship. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's had more success, but I, I just think – and, like, I, I, if somebody wants to put D'Antonio number one, I wouldn't mind it. I just – I think Franklin – He's got more to prove in the sense that, and I we've seen this across all college sports, but in football especially. And the example I always use is is Gene Chizik, uh, who was the the coach at Auburn with, under Cam Newton, where you win a national championship with. Uh, and it, for people who don't remember the the year Cam Newton won the Heisman, it was like watching that like twelve uh, year old <laughs> with a beard play against a bunch of other kids in little league baseball. Like like they, he would. He was just a man playing against a bunch of boys, and he single-handedly just steamrolled their way to a national championship. And then I think a couple of years later, they went winless in the SEC. I think to a certain extent, Franklin, while he's shown he's a, a good recruiter, got, and I won't say stumbled upon, but uh, and ended up with one, arguably two, generational college football talents and, and uh, Saquon Barkley. And then you could even argue McSorley. I mean, McSorley, you know, struggled a bit last year, but he's still like the best quarterback they ever had. Uh, I think that he's got to prove that he's more than just the sum of the parts he had in his first couple of seasons there. Uh, if they go out this year and win nine, 10 games, then you know what? I, I could honestly listen to that argument, but he's, he's got a ways to go. I mean, they, this was a guy who was like, um, really, really close to getting yeah. shit canned in 2016 until they railed off, you know, 11 well, straight wins. L- let's and he made a lot of questionable decisions. Like, year, and, so, and I again, like, here comes Mr. Uh, Mr. Harbaugh defender. The, 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 I'll put on this hat right now. For as much crap as as Harbaugh gets for not beating Michigan State, Ohio State, um, that's all fun, like deserved. Again, totally warranted and deserved. But James Franklin is. One and four against Michigan. He is one and four against Michigan State, and he is one and four against yep. Ohio State. I mean, it's and the one of those losses, one of those losses yeah. to Michigan State, and, and those came those wins. They were a top ten team last year, I believe, and they lost to that Michigan State team, that team. Yeah. 
Right. And the lone win against Ohio State. The lone win against Ohio State for him was an absolute fluke on the blocked kick because Urban Meyer didn't want to take a timeout for some reason in that scenario. We rushed the field goal unit on. Someone missed a blocking assignment, and then they take the block kick to the house. Like, it was a fluke. People want to talk about, like, the blood clot against Ohio State. I think that's when it happened, like, in that moment. Like, there's the stroke right there. Um, ooh, got him. <laughs> We're making stroke jokes now. Jeez. Uh, Damn. I, I need to go to church or something. But, yeah, that's really all I had. Uh, it was on my mind. People were talking about it. So um, we're light on content, so I figured I'd bring it up. I kind of I forgot that I kind of forgot that that happened because I just put it out of my yeah. mind. Um, but, hey, Same here. enjoy yeah, it. I just Penn State fans it. still talk that talk that talk down on Jim Harbaugh, but their one win – came in a whiteout game against like I, I will take this to my grave the worst Jim Harbaugh Michigan team there will ever be agreed 100% the worst Jim Harbaugh team yeah. that will ever happen at Michigan no question about it all right well I think that about uh, about does it for it I'm looking forward to next week's show to see where Michigan baseball is at so we got a little Michigan baseball got a little Michigan football in this week good show uh, Chris where can we find you on social media uh, you can find me on Twitter that's at Castellani 2014 that's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I 2014 my Snapchat is the same as my Twitter on my Twitter page you'll find the link to my uh, YouTube channel haven't posted there in a minute, but I'm going to probably at some point next week. Uh, I'll be posting another movie review on there. If you want to see my see me on Instagram, you can. That's Chris Castle ninety five. That's C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Always uh, posting uh, post game videos for the Tigers. Always talking sports. We got the big Cleveland trip coming up this weekend. So uh, please follow well, me on those platforms say, first if you want off, to stay uh, up. It's kind of disappointing to me that I'm just discovering this right now with us having talked baseball for like the last two weeks. But um, I want to just get this drop in there before we close it. And I hope I get to use it again next week. Uh, I w- w- we will we will talk baseball uh, regardless of what happens. But yeah, oh, follow hopefully. me on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Follow the website yeah. on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Uh, follow the, uh, our show at Brewcast Show. You can find us wherever uh, podcasts are hosted. And if there's a place you're looking for it that's not, uh, hit us up and we'll look at getting it up there. You can follow me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. So make sure to give us a follow. We love uh, interacting with our listeners. As Anthony said, give the show page a follow because when football season rolls around, we get rolling on that as well. So it's been a fun show here today. Already looking forward to next week. For Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Giardi, and we'll see you next time on Brewcast. Brewcast.